0: Crooked Conversations is brought to you by the upcoming film, The Front Runner. Uh, from Oscar-nominated director Jason Reitman, who brought us Thank You for Smoking, Juno, and Juneau, Up in the Air. Juno? Juno? Good movie. The Front Runner is like many things we cover in Crooked Conversations, a largely unknown story that had a massive effect on our world. Hugh Jackman plays Gary Hart, the charismatic politician and overwhelming frontrunner for the 1988 presidential he election. He
1: didn't win. It's a spoiler. He doesn't win the election. <laughs> If you think Gary Hart was president in 1988, you're wrong. He lost to a man named George H.W. Bush.
0: Senator Hart led George H.W. Bush in the polls by 13 points. Everyone was certain he would win, and then the world as we knew it changed. Oh, they
1: tell you anyway, so it's not really.
0: And a private scandal became front page headlines for the first time. The Front Runner is about the turning point in American history when privacy ended, and we as a country decided that we have the right to know. Written by Matt Bai and Jay Carson, this is a scandal and the story that started it all. Bush 1, Bush 2, the Clinton impeachment, our 17-year war in Afghanistan. It all started with one scandal. You
1: really shouldn't have fucked that person. A lot of bad stuff happened yeah. because Gary Hart was fucking around.
0: <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Democracy isn't a spectator sport, they say. Get involved. Get your tickets to see the frontrunner. Text frontrunner to 267. Seven, nine, seven.
1: Again, that's text FRONTRUNNER to 26797. Seven. Message and data rates may apply.
2: Greetings, everyone. Simone D. Sanders here, your cricket contributor and spokesperson for the culture. And today I am chatting with Mayor Michael D. Tubbs, the mayor of Stockton, California. And today we're going to answer the question... Who is the millennial mayor reinventing Stockton? Well, Michael D. Tubbs is that mayor, and we're going to talk all about universal basic income, being a, a young person out there getting it. Uh, I asked the, the mayor about his wife because <laughs> I think she is important to his success. Um, but also this idea, these ideas that folks talk about being radical and revolutionary. Sometimes in the Democratic Party, we say they're too radical or revolutionary. At one point in time, that was single payer. And now single payer is, a, is really, in my opinion, a main mainstream democratic idea that many folks across the democratic party spectrum have gotten behind universal basic income i think is one of these quote-unquote radical and revolutionary ideas um, that folks have set for a while that was interesting but too expensive couldn't be done and today we've got the mayor that is getting it done in stockton so sit back relax buckle down and uh get ready to talk to everybody's favorite millennial mayor michael tubbs <laughs> All right, everyone, today, we have the millennial mayor, everybody's favorite from Stockton. Probably some of y'all's only favorite, because half of y'all didn't know where Stockton was before we got started here. Uh, I am here with Mayor Michael Derrick Tubbs. Yes, Derrick with two R's. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. Let me tell y'all what Wikipedia says about America's new favorite mayor. Mayor Michael Derrick Tubbs was born August 2nd, 1990. We'll get to that in a second. He's an American politician, currently the mayor of Stockton, California. He was elected as mayor in 2016 at age 26. He is the youngest mayor in Stockton's history and its first African-American mayor. Did Wikipedia get it right, Mayor?
3: The only thing they got slightly wrong, it's, I think it's the youngest in... American history of a city larger than 100,000 people but my name is right and my birthday and all that for sure
2: well alright well we appreciate you for coming with the facts and um, we will we will write over there and hopefully somebody from your staff can get your Wikipedia page corrected thank you so much for joining me today I wanted to talk to you um, because I think it is not only cool what you're doing in, in Stockton um, but I think it's revolutionary it's radical and it is something that has caught the eye and ear of many people people, um, not just around the country, but uh, internationally, I believe, as well. So I want to talk about I want to talk about you being a young person and all that great stuff. Um, But we'll get to that in a second. But first, I want you to tell me about um, Reinvent Stockton, this idea of universal basic income. Uh, So first, tell me what it is. Tell me because the listeners want to know. And then we'll 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 break down what some of the haters and naysayers like to say about it. And if you think this is a model for the entire United States of America.
3: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Always good to speak with you, Simone. Um, So Reinvent Stockton was actually born in 2012 when I ran for city council. And the idea was that the way government had functioned in Stockton, especially at that point, we had just declared bankruptcy. We were the um, largest, we had the largest homicide rate in the country at the time, just wasn't working, but also a realization that the way government, especially in communities like Stockton, usually doesn't work in terms of not Privileging or elevating the lived experiences and voices of the people most directly impacted by the problem. Mm-hmm. So, since 2012, for my four years on city council before becoming mayor, we did a lot of work in community engagement, and community organizing, and really building a process by which we could connect with residents and have them pinpoint sort of what were the problem areas in their neighborhood. So, instead of blanketly, blanketly enforcing every house on the street, going to the two or three problem houses, and we're able to close down liquor stores, bring in um, bring in banks and, and bring in health clinics. So when I became mayor, we wanted to expand that model citywide. And a big part of that platform over the past couple of years, to your question, is this idea of a basic income or a guaranteed income. And what's fascinating is that it's being treated as a new idea, but it's actually an idea as old as um, the nation itself. Thomas right. Paine called for this in the Great Revolution. Um, Dr. King is who I learned it from and where do we go from here, chaos our community, talked about how the best way to abolish poverty is probably the simplest uh, by having a a guaranteed income. And he was advocating for something pegged at the national income. Um, So in Stockton, starting next year, early next year, we're rolling out a basic income demonstration, which is funded by um, a grant led by the Economic Security Project. Um, So it's all philanthropically funded as a demonstration. But the idea is to illustrate that Folks are working incredibly hard in this economy when one in two Americans can't afford one $400 emergency, when everything's rising and wages are going down, when rents the rent's too damn high. Um, the idea is that showing that just $500 a month it's not enough to replace work. It's not enough to disincentivize work. But it is enough to let people who are working hard, like our Uber drivers, like our waitresses and waiters, like our current students, like many of our parents, like our migrant community, like the, I would argue close to the majority, if not the majority of folks in our country, that if given $500 a month, it's enough to create an economic floor so the bomb doesn't come out from under them.
2: Mm, this sounds – so while many people would describe this as revolutionary, as you said, this is an idea that um, isn't really revolutionary at all. It's it's actually, you know, that's been around. It's pretty practical. I think some people might call it radical because they're going to ask you how do we pay for it, Um So let's talk about that because you all have a grant, you know, to to roll out this pilot initiative, pilot program in your city, if you will. And there is actually an article in The Nation today uh, written by Cleo Chang that basically with the headline, could a universal basic income become a political reality? And there's new polling that's out that basically um, says that this isn't that far-fetched of an idea, particularly for uh, Democratic voters um, and some independent voters. And so the question of how do you pay for it is, I think, uh, is an important one. I think that's the the, the key question everyone asks. You all were able to garner support um, from from a donor. And so talk to me a little bit about um, the process. I don't want you to give away all the tools, but talk to me a little bit about how you got folks on board to fund this idea.
3: Mm. So, so for the pilot, um, we were able, I we was in a conversation with a woman named Natalie Foster, um, who's a co chair of the Economic Security Project. Shout out to Natalie and Foster. She, and she was mentioning um, that she was looking for a city um, to pilot a basic income. And I told her, well, my approach from is not from this fear of automation and robots, but it's for if when the future comes and technology continues to advance, our foundation economically is shaky now. And if we don't fix it now, will be a bigger problem in 10, 20 years. So this is about a here and now reality, not a reality of 30 years from now when there's a lot of artificial intelligence and robots displacing um, some folks from, from jobs. And, she, and I told her about Dr. King and how I, a, I had a group of folks in the city that are discussing the idea. because um, so I think poverty is at the core mm-hmm. of a lot of our issues in our country and especially um, in Stockton. And she told me she was looking for a city to pilot. Um, so we decided to work together over six to eight months with, with Chris Hughes, one of the f- um, Facebook co-founders, and we decided that it made sense to to launch the pilot in Stockton, um, number one, because we sh- I showed her that it wasn't basic income as a panacea for every issue, nor was it basic income isolated, but was basic income in the context of robust community organizing and engagement of work around violence reduction and ending and, and, and health disparities and economic development that – that basic income would sit in, in as one of a bevy of solutions that folks have to work together since we don't live single-issue lives. In terms of um, how to pay for this at a statewide or, or national level, um, I think a guaranteed income could come in many forms. There's mm-hmm. been talk about expanding their earned income tax credit and increasing that threat, threat threshold. So making it so if, you, if the household income is 75000 or less, which would include a lot more folks than currently. Um, there's talks about things like a carbon tax or a financial dividend tax. I think there's um, many—and I mean, Secretary Clinton almost included in Alaska for All a sort of basic income idea paid for by a carbon tax, I think, as part of her presidential campaign um, in 16. So, so there, there's definitely um, ways to pay for it. I think that's a fair question. But just like we could afford to give tax cuts to, to the very wealthy that uh, impact our deficit, um, budget without having any way of how to pay for it or, or numbers don't even add up. I'm sure with something that it once proven to be successful and something people want, uh, we'll be able to generate the political will to figure out sort of where would the money come from.
2: Oh, that's so interesting. So... Um, in in talking about this, so you've you've been out here on the on the media circuit, uh, if if I could just say that you've been everywhere talking about uh, the pilot program that is that's happening in Stockton, talking about your idea, you know, really just educating. I think a lot of people on the idea of universal basic income, because this is although it's not new um, in 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 practice or thought, I think it is a new concept um, for many people to, to be having such a mainstream conversation about it. Um, you. We recently did an interview with CBS, and in the interview, uh, you noted that this, you know, this this money is 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 no strings attached. You don't know, and you have no control over what people will do with the five hundred dollars, um, which I believe is an important point. So, one, tell me why that was in fact a tenet of the program. But two, um, I really want you to lay out for folks listening. Why something for some people um, as as small or for some people as large as five hundred dollars, it could be a game changer in their lives.
3: Well, And and I appreciate both those questions, because when we started this pilot, I wasn't as passionate about it as a solution as I am now. I was mostly more interested in seeing what would happen. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just an interesting policy conversation to have. Um, but over the course of the past years, in the emails and letters and phone calls and in meeting with folks in my community, I've realized a couple of things that the no strings attached or just trusting people to be the agents of of of, of their lives is, is so important because it goes to this idea of dignity um, and, and that folks aren't dumb. Um, I had just no way I can know for all three hundred thousand residents in my city what exactly each and every one of them should do with five hundred dollars. For some people, the issue is transportation. For some yeah. people, it's credit card debt. For some people, it's child care. For some people, it's elder care. For some people, it's groceries. For some people, it's housing. For some people, it's utilities. For 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 some people, there there's a lot of issues that money helps solve. And by giving people the agency to exercise thought in terms of how to use the money, I think it's the ultimate empowerment, the ultimate in this idea of American liberty. Um, and then number two... $500 a month, I've I, it would help me for sure, but I've been really, really impressed with how game-changing it is for people who have just $500 in credit card debt, which makes their credit scores bad, whose rents have just risen $200 a month and their wages haven't, who need that extra $500 a month so they could work less and finish that AA degree who are $500 a month away from being able to afford childcare or make child care more affordable, or the one in two Americans who don't have one $500 in their emergency savings. So when life happens, when someone gets sick, when, when, when costs rise, when the tires blow out, when emergencies happen, don't have any contingency fund. Um, so I, I think it's a sad commentary on our country in that in the richest country in the world, one in two of the citizens of said rich country, can't afford one five hundred dollar emergency when there's so many people that have so much, but also I think it also proves that five hundred dollars a month is not unattainable. That that's not a such a huge number we can't wrap our hands around. And some would argue that it's not enough. And 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 I would say absolutely um, anything more than zero for folks who are hurting today um, makes a lot of sense. So whether the number is five hundred or a thousand, or as Dr. King said, just paid at the national median income. Mm-hmm. Um, we're starting at zero, and given the way the economy um, has, has continued to leave people behind, we have to begin to actualize solutions. that speak to the lived experiences of the people we represent.
2: So, what do you say to the to the to, you know to the naysayers and the haters that say that you're you are literally on the cusp of instituting communism in your city? What do, what do you say to those people
3: yeah well well I think a lot of the things we value in, in, in this country um, from our fire departments to libraries to public schools um, to social security and and Medicare um, are can be considered kind of socialist ideas mm-hmm. um, and and that, that those are not part of our American contract um, and I think no economic system is perfect um, or, or has all the answers, and you have to look at sort of what's best for for, for the for the for the times and, and for the most amount of people. Um, so and that's so that's why I tell people, and I, I tell people all the time. And actually, by giving folks five hundred dollars a month, in many respects, you could be unleashing a wave of entrepreneurship and creativity and ingenuity. And because I'm sure at five hundred dollars a month, a lot of people will be able to spend more time being creative and thinking about sort of ideas for new businesses or expand their businesses or or etc
2: the words from the millennial mayor
1: crooked conversations is brought to you by honeywell priyanka yeah have you ever been to the website (laughs) nextdoor.com
0: no but i've seen screenshots
1: it's truly terrifying every day people post different bad things that are happening in the neighborhood, and everyone's panicking all the time, and it's made me panic all the time that there's people constantly trying to get into my home.
0: Side note about next door: one time my friend sent me one and one of her neighbors thought she saw Paul Manafort like having lunch and it was like, Paul Manafort is in prison. Like he is not there having lunch in Larchmont, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, that's my experience with Nextdoor.
1: Well, the reason I brought up Nextdoor is that it truly made me scared to be in my home and I need a home security system. So
0: you got Honeywell. I got
1: Honeywell. And Good job. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I feel so much more secure reading Nextdoor now because I have a home security system. It's, I, I did it myself. I. It's good to know who's home and who isn't, or if there's a package at my front door, if someone isn't coming to swipe it, swipe or no swiping.
0: Those do sound like nice things. Yeah. Should are you one? scared in your home? <laughs> I don't. I don't have a home. We're not homeowners here.
1: You have an apartment. Yeah. I guess you have a doorman. No, I don't. Shit! Don't put that out there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I need a home security system. Look, send me one, Honeywell.
1: If you want to feel safe like me and not like Priyanka right now, you can go to HoneywellHome.com and enter promo code Crooked World to get 20% off the camera based station store price. That's HoneywellHome.com. Enter Crooked World. I feel very safe with my Honeywell home security system. Priyanka is terrified every day.
0: Terrified. Uh,
1: and we live in a nightmare, so who knows what will happen? Uh, this is a fear mongering ad.
0: Good ad. Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Sleep Number.
1: It's a mattress.
0: We all know sleep is important, but consider someone you know who is in the military or a veteran. Imagine how much a good night's sleep means to them. From military heroes to everyday heroes, the new Sleep Number 360 smart bed helps everyone get the proven quality sleep that will change their life.
1: This is a mattress for veterans.
0: So many couples disagree on mattress firmness. This is taking a turn from veterans to, I guess, like, a lot of people like this mattress. Sleep number beds let you choose your ideal firmness on each side so it's just right for both of you. The new beds are so smart. They sense your every move and automatically adjust to you, keeping you sleeping comfortably throughout the night. Please come. Oh, it's during a Veterans Day sale. Okay, here's the
1: thing. They needed to connect up top. That this yep. had something to do with veterans Because it, it seemed like they were pandering <laughs> To the army And <laughs> Okay
0: in during the Veterans Day sale yeah. Save 400 bucks on a Queen Sleep Number 360 C4 smart bed Now only $12.99 Plus there's exclusive savings Reserved for military and That's veterans great. That's great. On I'm Veterans happy. Day Nice work Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL
1: We You'll love the NFL
0: <laughs> Travis loves the NFL You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide only. That's a lot of stores. Visit sleepnumber.com slash convos to find the one nearest you.
1: I sleep terribly. I can't wait to get a Sleep Number bed.
2: Uh, the last question I want to ask about this, and then I'm gonna, I want to move on and ask you about Forbes and the Forbes list. But the last question I want to ask about this centers around um, Dr. King. You talk a lot about Dr. King, um, his life and legacy, his work around the issues of poverty, and I, I think. You know, since Dr. King's passing, many people have sought to, in my opinion, whitewash and sanitize his life and his legacy. They will have you think that Dr. King was just a, a, a rule abiding, just God loving man with a Bible that just went out there and asked people to just, you know, pl- please come together and let us be and that is not in fact who Dr. King was. And so I I wonder if you have received pushback from some people um that would would dare to challenge you and say that this is in fact not what Dr. King was talking about. So one that's my my initial question, but secondly, I also want to know what does it mean for for you to be able to bring this idea into fruition in the legacy of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Because to, to be clear, Dr. King wasn't always a Nobel Peace Prize winning humanitarian. At one point, he was just a 26-year-old preacher. Hmm. So, and you who, you know, was just a 26-year-old mayor. At one point, you was a 20, 24-year-old, 23-year-old councilman. Um Piloting this idea and pushing the limits, and so wonder what do you say to the haters that say this ain't really Dr. King's legacy. Um, how do you educate them to let them know that it is? But two, what does this mean for you personally to be able to do this for your city and potentially to be able to make this a pilot that other cities across the country can look at um for and and, and potentially make this a nationwide program
3: yeah well. It's funny, because I I share people his words. I'm like, well, look, (laughs) go to this page, and where do we go from here? Chaos our community. I didn't write it. Dr. King says, I am now convinced. And I I read the quote, and I I, I post a quote. Um, And and if you're not arguing with me, you're arguing with this man's words. And he's not here um, to explain or, quote, unquote, defend himself, but his words are. Um, If you quote his other speeches, this is something else he said. Uh, So either you don't agree with all of his legacy or or you have your some or but you can't say he didn't say these things. And usually that ends ends the conversation. Um in terms of the question of legacy what was interesting is that I remember when I first read Where Do We Go From Here? Mm-hmm. I was a sophomore or a freshman in college and I remember thinking like, "Oh god, it would be really interesting to be a part of the conversation around this poor people's campaign and and, and this idea like where they go." So I stored it in my head and said maybe in 20, 30 years we'll have this conversation as a country, and I would love to be part of that conversation. Um, so it's a real blessing for just 10 years later to be again reviving that conversation, but especially 50 years after his assassination, speaking and advocating and marching and demonstrating and being killed for for for, for said ideas. So it's a it's a it's it's an absolute honor, especially because many of my mentors, folks like Mary Wright Elderman and Reverend James Lawson, um, were alive. And they're still alive today and are saying, wow, this is thank you. Or when I think of starting to work at the Black Panther Party just 80 miles away in Oakland around job guarantees, basic income, et cetera, it feels very special to be kind of continue the work and understand that the work isn't finished. You must continue to push to be a more perfect union. But I would also say when I think back of my childhood and my single mother who worked incredibly hard, only has a high school education. Um, I think it's also paying it forward to, to for, for her and, and for me, like literally 20 years ago when I was just a seven-year-old little black poor kid with a father in jail in South Stockton, California, trying to figure out how to make it and watching her struggle and rob Peter to pay Paul and go to check cashing places and getting more debt to pay her bills on time and seeing just how the economic uncertainty, not because she wasn't working, she worked incredibly hard, but because she just, her wages weren't, her, her, her hard work wasn't rewarded with an income that would provide for the basic needs of her and her, her two sons, it it, it it feels special to be able to talk about the value and the dignity um, independent of work, inherent in folks who are middle class, lower middle class, working poor, poor, and in poverty, and to kind of help ha- shape the national conversation, but in a way that's asset-based and not demonizing. Um, it's, it's a huge honor, and I'm so thankful for it. Oh,
2: so oh, You're so humble, so humble. I mean, you have been on this path, it seems like, for a while. In um, your short young life, as, I, as another young person, I feel like I can say that. I mean, <laughs> um, I've read that uh, in July of 2008, you were on a member of a team of three of teenagers who won a national debate competition in Cincinnati that was sponsored by the NAACP. And it was there that you talked about the, the idea of universal health care. And then, you know, I think you got to see Obama after that. The debate was followed by a speech by him while he was a candidate. And before that, uh, well, after that, I mean, you went to Stanford University, if I am correct? Yeah. Uh, You were a Truman Scholar as an undergraduate. You graduated with a degree in comparative studies and race and ethnicity and a master's degree in policy, leadership and organization studies. you got all these accolades. I mean, the list goes on. And a new accolade that's been added to that list is being on Forbes 40 under 40 list. So, you know, Forbes said some nice things about you. And I know you. So I had to read this twice. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) They said this is this is a line from. From the from the Forbes from the from from the Forbes uh, feature it says Tubbs is implementing universal basic income, a hot but largely untested economic theory that involves government giving cash to citizens to eliminate poverty. Uh, starting soon this is this fall. The city will give five hundred dollars a month in donated money to up to 100 local families to spend as they please. At an age when many people are considered too young to entrust with much responsibility, Tubbs runs an entire city. Mm, they, they make you seem like a rock star. Um, but so talk, talk to me a little bit about you are a young person. OK. And like a substantially young person. Uh, I know that sometimes I go places and p- people are still like, I'm sorry, how old are you? This is for this is this is for the over 30 crowd. And I'm like, well, I'm under 30, but I definitely need to be here. So talk <laughs> to me a little bit about what it means to be um, at such a young age, someone that has one accomplished so much, but two, that is doing the type of work that people work their entire lives to to accomplish. And at 27, um, you're doing that work right now. So t- talk to me a little bit about like, the, how that feels. Do you feel any pressure as the quote unquote millennial mayor to not be the quote unquote millennial mayor? Like, uh, Cause you know, sometimes I don't wanna be the, I don't want people to see me as the young person. I wanna be the person that's doing the work that is also young.
3: Hmm. Yeah, well, luckily I spent four years on city council uh, when I was even younger. And that was, I think, good preparation, and it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about stewardship and just valuing the um, amount of responsibility and belief people had in me at such a young age. Like to have earned the public trust, and have people believe that you can make their lives better—that's a sacred, sacred responsibility. And at twenty-two, twenty-three, I didn't get it, mm-hmm. and I'm still learning it. But, I, but I'm glad I had those experiences as a council member to kind of understand it before. Um, being mayor, and, and and I think I sometimes I I sometimes I get like annoyed when the, so much emphasis is put on my age. Mm. Um, so I'm like pound for pound, policy for policy, work for work. We've done work at any age over the past 18 months that any mayor would be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, from the basic income to the 20 million dollars to make co- tuition free college to the gun violence reduction program to being the second most fiscally healthy in the state. Um, we're, 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 we're doing like big, I said, we, we do big boy stuff too. Um, but (laughs) I would say, I, I think I, now I realize that some, what differentiates you is, is a great thing. Um, and it's good sometimes to stand out for being young or being a woman or being black or Latino, um, and things of that sort. But, but I, I do, Worry, and as I heard you say that, I just don't want just to be seen through the prism that um, he's young. I want to be seen through the prism. I like, look at the work that's happening, like how the sea is progressing, and look, it's also being led by a young person. Um, and I would also say, I think at the older I get, I realize how much of quote unquote youth was sacrificed mm-hmm. um, by um, taking on this mantle or just call a public service. And I'm not complaining about it, but. I caution my friends and some of my mentees about, well, look, if you do this this young, you know, you could do a little. You can't do everything.
2: No, I'd like to be at Coachella turning up on a regular basis, but (laughs) I gotta go sit on that panel. Yeah. Um.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, that's also been instructive.
2: That that I mean that's interesting. So as you, so what are some of the other things you tell your mentees now?
3: What are some some of the other
2: advice you give other young people that... Because, I mean, I have people that come up to me and say, I want to be young people that are like, I want to be the young political commentator. And I'm like, first of all, political commentator is not how I get my check. Um, (laughs) First of all, honey, don't just want to be a political commentator. You will be poor. But I I, I think that there's this, like... um, idea that there's something just unusually and I mean I'm sure your mother tells you you're special my mama and my daddy told me I was special but I really believe that there's not anything overtly special about you or me or any of these other young people I heard are doing amazing things. The difference is um, access, opportunity, and the willing to capitalize and, like, take the risk and, and, and willing to do the work, basically. Um, so what do you tell these young people that come up to you and they're like, oh, I want to be elected. I think it's cool you're a mayor. I want to do this. I want to do that. I think it's cool you're on the Forbes list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, what do you tell these young people that have kind of sanitized the work that you've done and that you've put into this and say, well, now I want to be you?
3: Yeah, well... I, I'll try to distill i I just had this conversation with my interns not too long ago. And, and I said, I think the scale at which I'm doing the work is way different, but the skills necessarily aren't. And I've been doing community organizing, public speaking, leadership, and public service since I was like 10, 11 years old. Um. So I, I treated every, I used to set agendas. I used to facilitate meetings with the mayor and council when I was in high school. Um, I would clean up at events. And I tell people it's service. And one of my favorite scriptures says, don't despise small beginnings um, because the Lord rejoices in seeing the work begin. And also, you've been faithful over a few things, so I'll make you rule over many. Mm. So I tell people and, and as you try word? to get to the— <laughs> So I tell people when you when, as you're grinding to the top, don't it's in the small things with no one watching you, there's no cameras, there's no screwing you, that you learn the skills and the habit and build the character. If you're too good to pick up a mop now, you don't need to be on the microphone. If you're too good to clean up or pick some people up, you don't need to be up here leading because leadership is about service. And then the second thing I say is that it's not all glamour. Like my wife will tell you that, um, like some of my friends were talking to her about running for office. She was like, don't do it unless you feel called. Like it's not all glamorous. You don't see... Um, the hate mail. You don't see the trolls. You don't see people posting your address. You don't see people mm-hmm. lying about you and your family. You don't see people glaring at you at restaurants. You don't see. I mean, for all the attention, there's also some some sacrifice and some pain um, that that goes along with it as well. And if it if you're just if there's not a why behind it, I'm, I'm sure you know if there's not a clear purpose then don't do it because you're not going to be different than the folks that got us in this mess in the first place. If it's about you having a microphone or you having an accolade or you having a position, because that does nothing to help people. So if you, so, so people ask me if they're running all the time, and I always say, why do you want to run? What do you want to get done? Because if you don't have an idea of what you want to do when you get elected, you just think you ain't going to do nothing. You're just going to sit there, and we don't need no more of that.
2: I agree. I absolutely agree. I think that's great advice, not just for um, young people that think they want to be mayors or run for office, period. But I think that's good advice for any young person anywhere and even some not so young people that are thinking about stepping out and doing something differently.
0: Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Quip.
1: Brush your dang teeth.
0: One of the most important things we do for our health every day is brushing our teeth, yet most of us don't do it properly. Okay, I'm
1: glad the word properly was in there. I was worried they were going to say most of us don't do it, which would have upset me as yeah, a Yeah, agreed.
0: <laughs> Brush your teeth. Quip is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. It was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. They're really cool looking. I actually really want one.
1: Why, why do they look so cool? I don't know. Like, what is it? Like, what do
0: I like about them? Yeah. They come in cool colors, like a rose gold that I think is very It's like an
1: iPhone, but a toothbrush?
0: Yeah, a little bit. Cool. Yeah. Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. Up to 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean evenly. It's
1: because brushing your teeth isn't enjoyable, so I'm happy that Quip is making it enjoyable. Brushing your teeth is pretty tedious, and I hate doing it, but I do it because you need to. Thanks, Quip.
0: Speak for yourself. Uh, a multi-use cover mounts to your mirror And unmounts to slide over your bristles Or bristles For on-the-go brushing Okay Quip doesn't require a clunky charger Runs for three months on one charge That's That's cool. convenient Yeah,
1: I do have a I have an electric toothbrush I gotta fucking charge it every day I gotta get a Quip You do Quip Quip <laughs> Quip <laughs> Brush
0: heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks.
1: That's a good way to trick you into a subscription. It's a dentist-recommended
0: Oh, I thought the five bucks. I um, mean.
1: You know, here's what I love about Quip. I, I don't love. use it, but everything in this ad makes me want to want use it. Use it. Same. I think this is a well-written ad.
0: That's why I love Quip and why they're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just 25 bucks. And What does go- backed by mean? Supported by Like they just are sort of like We like Quip
1: So a dentist just was like They just call a dentist And be like Do you like Quip Are there toothbrushes I don't know. Dentists don't like It's like a pay like?
0: play <laughs> Kind of thing Do you think they're paying The dental professionals <laughs> Yeah what is- I don't know Quip sounds pretty cool I feel like I would Just endorse it for free Like I am right now <laughs> Anyways Quip starts at just 25 bucks If you go to Getquip.com Slash crooked convos Right now You get your first Refill pack for free with Free With a Quip electric toothbrush You save yourself Like five bucks Nice. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Crooked Convos.
1: C-R-O-O-K-E-D-C-O-N-V-O-S. Travis can spell
0: too. Ashley's Memorial Day mattress sale is going on now. Save big on select adjustable mattress sets up to $1,200 on Beautyrest Black up to $800 on Purple, and up to $500 on tempur Plus, get 72-month special financing with select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com for better sleep and savings. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for
2: details. you mentioned your wife and i want to talk about your wife one because if you were a woman the first question somebody would have asked you would have been about your husband um or your other or whoever your partner you was sell, at the time you sell,
3: that's something she was saying
2: exactly because I, I i like your wife she is popping your wife is black girl magic so i just want you to tell me a little a little bit about her you all got married in december of 2017 if i'm correct
3: Yes, we got married in December.
2: Yes, and so who, tell, tell me about your fabulous pop and wife and why she was so important to your success.
3: Yeah, so I met my wife in college, and we met. She was a sophomore, and she was president of the Black Student Union Of course she Stanford. was. Black
2: girl magic, huh?
3: And, and I was president of the NAACP, and I was a senior. And we met planning a protest over the wrongful execution of Troy Davis. Um, so we're in this meeting— and she just like, I'm very practical, senior year. I'm mean, like, let's plan this protest. Let's get out. We're going to do this. You got candles. You got this. You speaking. You speaking. I got this. You got this. Just very tactical. And she said, well, wait, you're missing the point. And then she started crying and talked about how this, like, this, in, in our country, the state is executing a man who's mentally ill. Mm. And can we just pause and reflect on that? And I saw that passion that heart. I was like, oh, Yeah. That's the one. Um, So then we started dating like two months after. Um, And we got married five years after that. Um, And she's just awesome because she is unapologetically like feminist and black and smart and just really pushes the – like she just – Like, so when she first moved to Stockton, people kept calling her a tart and a pretty face. So she'd have to check people and say, no, I'm Phi Beta Kappa graduate from Stanford. I'm getting my PhD from Cambridge as a Gates Scholar. Like, I'm just as smart as your little (laughs) mare. Your Um, little mare wish
2: he was as smart as (laughs) me, okay?
3: Yeah. And then she also um, has been helping me really think about sort of how to be more explicitly feminist in the work we're doing. So she led uh, the first report on the status of women of Stockton, where we looked at sort of how these different indicators, we talk about Stockton in a gender-neutral way, but how they impact women, especially because women are 51% of our city. Um, and through that, we found um, issues with access to childcare, issues with access to birth control, health disparities. 38% of our households are headed by single mothers and single single women. Um, and she's been a, just just a voice on a lot of issues, but particularly around um, education, but also just ensuring that we have a feminist lens in discussions we have, whether it's around basic income or violence and poverty. Um, and she just makes sure, like, she's, she's OCD neat and I'm OCD messy, so she makes <laughs> sure our, our house is presentable um, and that I eat salads and stuff. <laughs> I
2: love her. Say, say her, what is, your, what is your wife's whole name? I think America needs to hear it.
3: Her name is Anna Ntiasari hyphen Tubbs. Anna intiasari
2: hyphen Tubbs. I had to ask him to say it because I always butcher the Ntiasari <laughs> um, your wife is amazing I think it's in, it's important Behind every great man is a even Behind every great man Is an even greater woman um, Probably a black woman Doing the real work Piping him up And making sure That he is ready to go uh, Well Mayor I appreciate you For spending some time With us today Where can folks Find out more information About the work That's going on in Stockton Is there a website We can go to For Reinvent Stockton
3: Yeah if you go to Um MichaelDTubs.com. It has all the stuff we're doing around the future of work, basic income, our tuition-free college program, our gun violence reduction program. Um, if you go to my Twitter or my Instagram at MichaelDTubs, you find pictures and clapbacks and tweets uh, about the work we're doing.
2: All right, pictures, clapbacks, and tweets. I will say, y'all, <laughs> I have been a, I've been a fan of the mayor for a while, and uh, I like to think of him as my little big brother. Whom I've, where did we meet? We met in, we met at South by Southwest. South by Southwest. I finally met the mayor, at South by Southwest. We went to dinner with some other very cool millennial people, and by the end of dinner, I was like, the mayor is my long lost little brother. Um, I, I, where have you been all my life so I appreciate right? <laughs> you <laughs> so I appreciate you so much and I am just in awe of the work that you do every single day so on behalf of all people everywhere progressive folks that care about the issues people that believe in universal income we thank you and we can't wait to see what Stockton and you do next thanks for coming on and chatting with me today well,
3: thanks so much for having me
2: absolutely everybody, thanks for listening. That was everyone's favorite millennial mayor. Now you know why I love him, Michael D. Tubbs. And myself, Simone D. Sanders, your spokesperson for the culture. Uh, Please rate us on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts.